Welcome to the Raw and Uncensored Ambitious Podcast. During our time here together, I will be instilling all of the strength, power, and determination you will need to use the very stones thrown at you to build your ultimate empire. We will redefine the word bitch from the derogatory to the acronym being in total control of herself. So let's adjust our crowns and prepare to live life ambitiously. Ah, uh, yeah, here I am, the original HBIC, Katie motherfucking Boyd. Oh, do we have a podcast for you today? Michael Bates is actually one of the few men that have come on the Ambitious Podcast. And you know, when I have a man on this podcast, you know I mean business and we love him. And I want to tell you a little bit about Michael as a whole, because you guys are going to be blown away by this conversation. Michael Bates is on a mission. Number one, to accelerate and steward the conscious evolution of men and masculinity across the planet in our lifetime. And number two, to heal the divide between men and women by resurrecting lost arts of sacred union. He accomplishes his mission as a life and relationship coach, workshop facilitator, podcast host, and psychedelic integration guide to individuals and organizations all over the world, helping guide humans of all persuasions into the deepest embodiment of their highest potential. His work leverages the technologies of masculine and feminine dynamics, embodied leadership principles, applied coaching methodologies, ritual theater, rites of passage, and various traditions of spiritual union. He also enjoys lifting heavy objects, swimming with sharks, playing with his niece, and curating obscure rituals for epic humans in remote corners of the world. Dude, this conversation was one of my favorite conversations that I've ever had on the podcast thus far. I have so many clients, and I've been doing this for a really long time, almost 25 years. And I have only heard women that are single say, there's no good men out there. They're just all assholes. And that's not true. And Michael is going to pull the veil from your eyes and expose you to the actual truth of what's truly happening between men and women right now and how we can work together to heal you guys are going to love, love, love this podcast, and you're going to fall in love with Michael. And he has some incredible retreats and events coming up. Everything is in the show notes. And I really would love for you to follow him on Instagram. It's at Michael underscore Bates. And you spell his name a little bit different. So it's M-I-K-A-A-L underscore B-A-T-E-S. Just check him out over on Instagram. He's doing such amazing stuff. And I know you're going to fall in love with him just as much as I did on this podcast. He is absolutely incredible. So I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Without further ado, here's Michael Bates on the Ambitious Podcast. Michael, I am literally over the fucking moon that you're here because you're going to wake up so many of my female listeners. And we do have male listeners here as well. So I think you're going to also wake them the fuck up because 
we have been totally sold a bill of goods on both sides of the fences, the men folk and the lady folk. And I just cannot wait for you to slap us with some beautiful truth. So thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy, busy, amazing schedule to be here. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor it is. And thank you to your listeners for for just being being into and about this work. I really believe it's the most important work that's happening on planet earth right now. I agree 100%. Oh, I can't wait to get into it. Okay. So you say that you are here to accelerate and steward the conscious evolution of men and masculinity across the planet and in our lifetime. So that's a pretty big statement, but I already know you because we've had our own little side conversations. And, you know, before I always bring people on, I always want to make sure that they're a good fit. And they know that we're all crazy ladies here listening. And, you know, we're super open and honest and raw and real. And I was like, I just fell in love with you. You are speaking my language. And I just have so many clients that I have coached over the 20 plus years I've been in this industry who are, like you said before, they're waking up. They're like, damn, like we did all the things that we were told to do as women, right? We went out there, we worked on our career. We said no to children, We hate men. Men are evil. They're bad. We don't need them. And now we're all like, holy shit, we're all single. uh, We're we're sad. We have like 10 cats. And we still say that there's no good men out there. And you're here to say that that's absolutely not the truth. I'm here to say I know it's not the truth. And I first want to say, sisters, I feel you. You know, we've like, like, um, like Katie just so astutely said, we've all been sold this bill of goods. And my work is really about ending the battle of the sexes. And to the degree that men are losing, women are losing. And to the degree that women are losing, men are losing. And it's time to remember we are uh, two sides of the same coin, uh, members of the same species. And it's a very different party when we're not trying to win or defend ourselves from someone else and actually learn from each other and learn how to be with each other and how to bring out the best in each other instead of the worst. And we really train to bring out the worst. I know it's crazy. I want to get into, before we really dive deep into like how this all came to be in your life, because obviously I know a little bit about your story from when we spoke before, but your story sounds very similar to my story, how I was raised by a second wave feminist, like you got to go out and you got to do all the things and fuck family and, and, you know, do everything on your own and you don't need this, you don't need that. So I want to talk a little bit about that so that the women out there can really hear you from that side, because there's so many people in this space that are talking about like masculinity and no one really knows their past story. So I think that your past story is so beautiful and so important. Mm, thank you, Katie. Yeah, I, I I always try to lead with this. Like, I am not, an, I am so far from being anti-woman. It's not even funny. Um, I love women. I appreciate what you sisters are doing in a way that I can't fully because I'm not one of you, and I will never be in your body. And so I'm just grateful for what you all do, and for the woman who raised me, who was absolutely like yours, a second wave feminist. And I grew up in that in that ideology. And I want to first name the benefits of it and what it brought in and how important it actually was as a movement. And what, what the questions that I ask now are, well, so the tenants, the goals of feminine feminism that were put forward by these feminists have been achieved equal pay for equal work, which, you know, I know we negotiate, but when you look at all the different factors into play, it's, it's, it's actually pretty darn close. Women in the workforce and in leadership, 
uh, educational attainment, control over your own bodies and fertility, freedom with the family. Those things have been achieved. And there's this really frustrating paradox, which is the paradox of female unhappiness. There's amazing studies on this. This isn't just me. You know, I, in a way, I wish it was. I wish it was an anecdotal thing. And that's just that dick Michael Bates, you know, talking shit about women. It's like, it's not like fe- female happiness has been statistically plummeting for decades now, for decades. And so, again, what I like to talk about in my work are the unintended consequences of feminism. Again, there's a brilliance to every movement and there's a shadow to every movement, just like there is to every person. And it's I think we're really ripe and ready to start to examine these unintended consequences because my mom, I love my fucking mom to death. She is an incredible woman and part of that generation that stood on the front line, burned their bras and said, it's bullshit that in 1970, I cannot apply for a credit card without my my husband or my father's permission. Like that's some bullshit. And, you know, to that degree, I agree with with feminism, but I really think, you know, in the later stages, fourth wave and even now fifth wave, it's really and we, we, we can get into the nuances of all that. But that's another show that there's just like you said, there are legions of us that are waking up to the realities of our life where we're alone, we're angry, we're, we're pissed. We are childless for better and for worse, because there's, you know, there's there's a pro and con to that, too. There's there's freedom and and <laughs> all the things that that come with the responsibility of having kids. But my goal is just to to be a part of spreading the word and information and, and then letting people choose. Like if you want to be a boss, babe, you want to be ambitious, you want to be all these things. Fuck yes, sister, go and do that. Run your business, crush the world, make money, do all these things. And there's a, a, a talent and a skill to be able to, 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 um, as I, as I, as I teach with my men, as I led this cohort of 35 men yesterday through an initiation in Austin, the ability to become what the Vikings called two-handed, ambidextrous energetically. So being able to understand the value of masculine energy in any body and then feminine energy in any body. And again, these terms are sort of danger terms suddenly all of a sudden, but they're just the reference points to point to certain qualities of energy that, that, that appear generally in the population. There are exceptions to every rule. But I'll, I'll I'll pause there because that's I feel like there's we're we're laying the groundwork here and so oh thank my you. god yeah and like as you're talking every like fiber of my being is just like spark sparking up and my hair is standing on end because I'm like this is literally what yeah. th- this is like you're literally talking to me and like everything you say I'm like yes yes like it's insane like how much it's resonating with me because you know like your mom I had a sim- similar mom. Uh, I think my mom's kind of feminine, feminine, like her being a feminist, I guess, was more from my dad was an alcoholic and an addict, very abusive. And my mom was like, you don't rely on a man for money. You don't rely on a man for anything. You don't rely on a man for happiness. Like you have, you can't be like me, Katie. You have to go out there and you have to make your way and you have to make your money and you have to be you know, she didn't say these words, but now I know it's like sovereign and autonomous. Like, so you don't have to fucking rely on anybody. And I did that. And then when I was 39 years old, I'm like, okay, so I'm depressed. I have anxiety. I don't have a child because I was told, don't worry about kids. You'll be able to have children, you know, like when you're older. And then I was put on birth control by 
a doctor who said, you don't need your period. There's no reason to have your period. And then guess what? When you get off birth control, as soon as you get off that pill, you're going to be able to get pregnant. Yeah. I know you've probably heard this about a million times from people, right? Similar stories. So many. And, and then when you wake up one day and you're like, okay, so I'm 42 years old. I don't have a child of my own. Um, I, I treat my husband not like shit, but I definitely am like, well, I don't really fucking need you because I make my own damn money. So even if you cheat on me or you divorce me, I'm good. Instead of thinking of him as like, oh my God, he's the divine half of myself mm. and how to treat him properly. And I didn't even realize that I was almost like emasculating him for so many years and how many men over the years that I had done that to just ran through their camp like a Viking, just looting and pillaging and ruining their lives and thinking they're, yeah. you know, weak and all these things. And it's like, no, I wasn't being the, div I didn't know how to be a divine feminine woman. Yeah. I'm still learning how to do it. So when bitches kind of grew out of that place, but now I, st I feel, and I feel like as a collective in my community, we're all kind of switching where we're all waking up and saying, you can make your own money. You can be ambitious. You can be a strong woman. But what about family? What about treating your man like a man? What about like, hey, maybe I just want to like raise my children and like homeschool them and make sourdough bread and like have a fucking garden. Like I know that that's like so on the other end of the spectrum, the opposite end of the spectrum. But I think that so many women are really feeling the same way I feel. And I am angry in a lot of ways. I'm working on it. But I'm angry in a lot of ways because I'm like, I feel like I was lied to. I feel like I was manipulated to think this way. And now it's almost like all those years of programming. Now my part-time job is deprogramming the old programming That's and right. reinstalling a new program, which is what you pretty much do with people. You help them install this new program, this new operating system. That's right. That's right. That's so beautifully said, Katie. And again, that is that is the intention here. I'm not, I got to a place in my own growth because I, yeah, I modeled after my my parents, my mom, the badass woman who was uh, my mother and also my father in a lot of ways, you know, learning to source masculine energy and feminine energy from a woman and what that did to my, let's call it a uh, attraction grid and what I was, what I was calling in, in that re regard to things. But m my passion is really reminding people that we're, we're on the same team to the degree women are failing, men are failing. And yes, no one taught us these things. And so much of feminism did come about as a result of wounding from men. And so, but th this is it, right? The, the wounding from men that affected women who are now wounding men, who are now wounding women, who are now wounding. It's like, we're just playing this horrible game of tennis, like with, with, with hand grenades instead of, you know, totally. the game. We've forgotten that it's a game, and so much of my work and these um, these workshops that I'm that I'm producing now and and taking on the road called Sacred Union, that are really about how we in the battle of the sexes, um, like actually like experientially like what are the questions that we can be asking, and so getting men and women in the same room, and creating experiences for women to hear men. And then reflect on that and, and, and without, and the men being able to share without being sort of interrupted and, and, and stepped in on by the women. And then the women get their chance to be the, be, do their work and the men just witness. And so all these different ways that we can bring in these, uh, these lost arts, these lost arts of intuition and devotion, understanding the way these energies work in our bodies and be able to create a nourishing, uh, 
like, yeah, just a nourishing, nutritious environment. And yeah. How, how what do you, what do you think? And cause you do this for work every day of your life. What are the, what are the conversations being had? Meaning like, what are women talking about? What are they thinking about and how are they feeling? And on the other side of the table, what are men feeling right now? And what are they talking about? Cause I, I feel like I see and hear all these different people. Like, you know, you get like these very like manly men, like an Andrew Tate type of guy. I'm sure you like yeah, hear yeah. about him a lot and I'm sure you've seen his stuff. Yeah. And then you see, so you see what he's saying. And then you see these other women who are like, going back to like, I want to be a mom and I'd want to make the sourdough bread and I want to be a homesteader like we used to be. So yeah. you're seeing like these huge kind of. Exactly. The extremes. Yeah. So what are the things that you're hearing? What are the things that you're feeling when you're like meeting with these people and you're working with them? Like what are, what is their wounding? How are they showing up? Uh, this is something that really just interests me so much. Great question, Katie. I was, I was a musician for a long time. So the way I think about this is, there's there's in tune and out of tune and the way a wave a wave form of music works is the more out of tune it is the bigger the swings are and the more it starts to come into tune it starts to sort of find this balance and suddenly it almost goes into like like perfect perfect tone is is stillness is oneness and so yeah we do see these and and to answer your question directly what i see from women and what i see from men are these sort of two bifurcations the andrew tate Women need to be, we need to put women back in their place. And, and I have to say that there's a lot of nuance that I've heard Andrew Tate starting to actually uh, in, incorporate into his work, where I think before it was very just sort of easy to dismiss. Yes. But there's some things that he's touching that are actually really valuable. And again, I agree. my mentors <laughs> have given me, they give me the assignments all the time of how to balance your system. So if you're hyper liberal, um, go read Trump's Art of the Deal. If you're hyper conservative, go read maybe some of like Foucault or Derrida or these sort of leftist philosophies that have become these 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 the wave underneath feminism that has produced these trends that we're now seeing. And so I see a lot of men who are sort of the red pill men who are like fuck women, I'm taking my power back. Da 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 da. Or you see the super sensitive New Age guys, as I like to call them, snacks. Yeah. Because I was one. <laughs> tell them what that. Tell them what that stands for. You get a snag, sister. A sensitive new age guy. A snag. I love it. That was I love I was, it. I was raised by my 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 hippie mom to be sort of the man that she needed or wanted to have encountered when she was younger. And again, I'm projecting all over my mom. And my mom listens to all my podcasts. So mom, my mom, much. My I, mom does too. Sometimes yeah. I gotta like hold my tongue. I'm like, okay, I shouldn't. Go no, it's like, well, I, I'm, I'm sorry for what you know. And my mom grew up in in she'll, well, I'm just gonna say it, mom. You know, grew up in southeastern Kentucky, like rural Kentucky in the 19 late 1940s. Mm-hmm. A whole different universe to be a woman in that regard. So I really understand and try to understand where she's come from and why right. that created this distrust, this frustration, this anger towards men, and so just as you have sort of the angry feminist on the extreme, now we're starting to see this push towards the homemaker, the homesteader. I actually want to be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen under the right circumstances. So it's like I was telling my men yesterday in this, in this workshop that we did on presence and power and how to wield both of those in integrity. Women want to be ravaged, but by the right man. 
You have said it. And can you learn how to be fluent? That's the way I speak about it. Fluent in these in these two different technologies of let's say that the Andrew Tate, the 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 strong, the the powerful, the 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 killer, the the, the those sort of qualities that the fighter that, that are actually really beautiful energies when they're balanced with sensitivity, vulnerability, softness. You don't want to just be machine gun fucked by a guy who's watched too much porn. Yes. Once and and at the right moments, that's actually really hot and sexy. Mm-hmm. Only if he can modulate into feeling states of being able to attenuate with your nervous system and body and slow down and feel where you're at and build and crest and move and guide and drop and then go into these different yeah. so again my work is about helping people as I was helped. And as my mentor taught me, the thing I didn't get became the thing I was meant to give. And so because of my challenges in this work and the absence of these, these, these qualities in balance in my own life, my work naturally emerged out of trying to find the balance in my own life. And what that meant was a lot of failed relationships. And I'm so grateful to the women out there that uh, <laughs> that were my teachers and guides and put up with me and, and helped, helped me learn by suffering my lead as one of these other mentors of mine would say, uh, London angel winters, who's an amazing, amazing woman. Um, and so, yeah, it's, there's these two, these two frames of extremity and what I, I see the medicine and what I'm trying to help people create is the balancing of those in your system. Because for some people, some ferocity and anger is actually healthy and it's a part of their healing their relationship to men is to allow themselves to actually be angry at dad, angry at the ex, angry at the the sexual predator, angry at the world for the masculine frame that you force me as a woman to be in every day in the rational, linear, logical mind. Fuck you. Yeah. It's part of the healing. And then part of the healing is to... Uh, you know, as men, if you're super in the Andrew Tate field, the the medicine, the prescription that I would give you, and this is what my work is about, is, again, not demonizing either side, but just finding a balance between the two. And so what's the medicine that would help serve you become the person that you want to be as a woman? Not that, and this is where I, I see the issue too, people in one camp say men should be this way. People in this camp say women should be this way. It's like, no, no, no. Like, Women should be however makes them feel best to themselves. Most women tend to be more feminine. Most men tend to be more masculine. There are always exceptions, but how do you find your proper balance in in the in the healing of your conditioning that has led you, as we're talking about, right, to be a certain way that a lot of people are waking up to and being like, oh, this actually sucks. And I bought yes. the on this. I put all my money into crypto and now it's like, fuck. And, and, and what do we do about that now? So what do we do? What do we do, Katie? What do we do about that? Oh, this? my God. Well, I mean, I just I, as you're talking in the back of my mind, all these like little voices of my clients are like, there's no good men out there. No man wants to do this. And there's no good. Men. And I'm like, well, if you keep fucking saying that, girl, then so is. shall it be. There it is. Right. There it is. And so for your listeners, like realize how powerful you actually are. And I, and I, and I feel you sister. Like I, I really get that your experience, your lived experience has been that there are no good men out there and fuck. I'm so sorry for that. And there are good men out there. So this is where it's a little tricky and it takes some nuance and some patience and some willingness to lean into the edges of how it can feel to realize that in any relationship, we are at most 
50% responsible for what happens. Exactly. It means that we also have to be 50% responsible for taking responsibility for our part in the equation. So if, if you're not finding the right men, yeah, maybe you're hanging out in the wrong places and maybe you're used to a certain type of man, but these men do exist. So what in you can you start to soften or, or work with or, Again, only ever half of the responsibility. The half is, is is and should be on the other person or or out there. But how can we swallow our pride, check ourselves again in whichever extremity we find ourselves in? Again, if you're happy and you're loving being an ambitious woman and busting ass and taking names in the world, sister, do that till you drop. And if you're happy being at home and raising children and doing that, and that's and you feel happy, do that. But I think what you're talking about and what I think a lot of your listeners are interested in is, ooh, wait, can I have my cake and eat it too? Yes. Yes. And I think the answer is yes. It just takes, it takes skill. It takes work. It takes awareness. And so many of us have, have we're, 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 <laughs> we're working with a handicap, let's say, because of the ideologies that we internalize and that have become a part of our way of being, which is how we create the world around us. And if mm-hmm. we create the world around us that men are assholes, guess what kind of men we experience? And it can be really tough because say, say you gave me a mantra tomorrow and I go out and all women are amazing. All women are amazing. All women are amazing. There's probably still going to be some lag time where I'm out there and I'm not experiencing amazing women because I've had a lot of experiences with not amazing women. And that's what my, that's what feels like home to my system. So the home that I know you have talked about and the home that I talked about with our feminist mom was, was curated and specialized in a very specific way that we've had to learn how to mm, disrobe from and, and, and extrapolate. And I think you said decondition. It really is like a brainwashing in a way mm-hmm. that happens taken out and and taken out skillfully. And you know what I think is really funny is, so like in my 20s, I would attract these like bodybuilder, big, like masculine, like super, like what a masculine man from the third dimensional reality looks like. But they were the weakest, saddest, most abusive motherfuckers like in the world, right? So then when I met my husband now, he was like this perfectly divine feminine man and I was so not into him when he first started pursuing me because I was like, you're a dud. You're fucking boring. You don't like you're not exciting because in my head, because my nervous system was so fucking dysregulated from growing up in a very chaotic home with a mom who was like, you can't rely on a man. Look what I look. Look at my life. And like, look what I did. And look at the mistakes I made. And you can't do the same thing. So then when I met my husband, I was like boring because I wanted to fucking fist fight with you. I wanted you to like bite me, punch me in the face, spit on me, tell me I'm a piece of shit because in my head, that's what I knew. And it's so funny because now like my husband and I can be like very divine, masculine, feminine, and we can be like aggressive with each other too. And we know like when to do it and when not to do it. Where before it was like, boom, 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 aggression 24-7 with every guy that I dated to the point where I think so many of my listeners and so many of the women I work with, they say that they want, they always say like, I need a mat. Like, I want a mat. Like, they always say that. And I was like, yeah, but I've seen like 10 mats come across your door and you will not like do it. You won't seal the deal because you want to be, you want a man who's this 
super toxic masculine. And you say that you don't, but your actions are very different than what you're saying. Do you see this a lot with both men and women? Yeah. Like men um, might say, I want this feminine woman and I want this whatever. And then they're dating the OnlyFans girls. I, yeah. I'm a, I'm a king. Where's my queen? I'm a queen. Where's my king? Oh, God, shoot me. Anytime I see that on someone's stories on Instagram, I want to just jump off a bridge. I'm like, these, neither one of them are king or queen when they're talking mm-hmm. about this because they're not doing the most. Well, that's it. And I, I try to, I try to, I try to stay in the compassionate field, you know, as much as I can. And it took me a while to get there because yeah, I had a lot of anger at women too. And, 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 and then I hit the wave of anger at men. Cause where was my dad and where were these teachings and where were the trainings that I was supposed to get that came from my father, which came from his father, which came from his father's father. What the fuck was this education that I was sitting in this stupid ass public school waiting for the teacher, the real teacher to show up. And I'm being taught like, I don't know, trigonometry, which yeah. I have used zero, zero. zero ever, which is not to talk shit about trig because for some people in some fields, obviously that's the path. Right. But not like, us. Where, why am I not being taught how to, as, as, as I, so I conducted this poll with some, some dear sisters of mine and to try to extract like, if there was a training program for men, because I do this, this is what I do. I create these programs. I run these programs. Um, and what the, 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 the distillation was women, these women specifically, who are all in development, all this type of stuff. It was like, we want a man who's physically vital, emotionally intelligent, sexually studious, and what was the last one? Financially stable. And so where was I being taught those things in high school? Where was I being taught, you know, freaking finances or like doing my taxes or any of the things that matter, right? Writing but, a check. You know, no, you were taught stuff. to put a condom on a banana. Literally. That's, that's what I was taught. I was like, when, when is this going to come in handy? This is where the ovaries are. This is where the fallopian tubes connect. <gasps> oh, wow. That's so useful. How about where's the clitoris? How about, how about that at least? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say, say it again louder for the people in the back it's so true it's yeah, so fucking true here's some miseducation and then here's here's endless porn good luck yep wonder why we're all Fuck, more fucked up than a soup sandwich as i like to say <laughs> it's Dude. so true though and then i see because you know i have a 26 year old stepdaughter um, and she is like just like me like, cause I raised her since she was 13. She's like super fucking smart. Went to BU business school, like killing it, making the money, doing the deals, doing the thing. And, you know, I see all her little friends that she hangs out with that I've known since they were like 11 years old. And, you know, some of them are only fans, right? They, they're like, where are all the good guys? I'm like, well, they're probably not going to meet you on only fans when they're paying you $7 to see your fucking feet, bitch. Like, you're, you're, my grandmother used to say, if you sleep with dogs, like sooner or later, you're going to get fleas, right? That's like an old saying. It's like, you're looking in all the wrong places. You're, you're hanging out at the wrong places to find the people that you want. And then I noticed that a lot of these girls are, they're so liberal. And I don't mean like politically liberal. I mean, just like their bodies mean nothing to them. There's no sacredness. There's no anything. And then all the guys that are their age are very conservative. It's this weird thing that's happening right now where like these young men are becoming like super conservative red pill guys. And the girls are becoming more liberal and just like free and, and not in like a hippy dippy, like peace, love and hair grease way. I'm talking like, you know, 
in a in a in a dark place because then you start getting into like porn. I mean, like yeah. as I was talking to, uh, nope. to one of my friends the other day about Pornhub, and they were saying like, "This is all my kid does is just watch fucking porn all day long." And I'm like, "What yeah. the? F- when did this? When did this happen? And why? You know?" Yeah, yeah. It, it, the way I see it, you know, archetypally, it's like we we're not allowed to say certain things in our culture anymore. We're not allowed to say certain things that have been true for forever at the risk of offending certain people. Don't want to get canceled now. It's really frustrating <laughs> to me because it, it, again, it seems like it's coming from a certain, certain side of, let's say the political spectrum, but uh, so much of feminism to me, I feel like should actually be called masculinism because it's, it, it ha- didn't teach women to be more feminine. It taught, I can do anything a man can do. And so now we have women who have been trained to be men. And so they're being men in the world. And the way men are with sex is different than the way women are with sex. And we've trained women to to believe they can be the same way that men can be with sex. And in some ways you can, but I'm sorry, like women have sex inside of their bodies. Men have sex outside of their bodies. That is a completely different experience. And what breaks my heart is that in this inability to say anything, we have left women particularly or the feminine archetypally without any boundaries at all. And archetypally or from a tantric or or even Taoist frame, the, the, the feminine needs the containment field around her to know where she is, to know what the rules are of the game. So this old idea that the feminine is flow is the river, but the river needs the banks of the river to tell it where to flow or how to flow or even know that it's a river. And so it's just like, yeah, girl, go out and just watch endless porn and you should, you can be a sex worker. It's, it's great. Yeah. Yes. And like, you can have a body count of 250 more guys. It's like, whoa, man. And it sucks because like there is something important about feminine liberation and the sexual liberation and being taught these things. And there are some places and traditions that are really starting to bring these things in, these things that we should have been being taught when we were 13 instead of just here's a banana, here's a condom, figure it out. (laughs) Actually, how to engage in a sexual exchange and how to set it up for success, how to have the conversation about one's needs and desires, how to have a conversation about are you on birth control? What are your views on pregnancy? What are your, what does sex mean to you? What's the emotional impact of you? If we have sex tonight, we're just, we're literally leaving these women uh, to drown and drown. They are, we have all the statistics. Now the social media statistics, the, like you said, the Pornhub stuff. And it's tough because they're the sexual marketplace is a very viable space and women are able to make lots of money just by being in their body and showing their body and revealing their body and, and the currency of the female body. And I should be able to, I should be able to, 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 uh, commodify that. And yeah, to some degree, sure. Sister, if that's what, what you, what you want to roll with, but let's at least have a conversation about the potential impact of that in the future. And this is where, you know, the conservative mindset is conservative because it considers the future impact versus the immediacy and the gratification of the moment, which is generally the liberal perspective on things. Both, again, have a brilliance. Both have a shadow. So 
oh, it just the I it, oh, like the the impact on men right now is is profound and prolific and challenging and 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 sad. But I, I feel like we're not even scratching the surface yet on on the greater impact that's happening to our young women. It's it's heartbreaking. Yeah, and I grew up like when I was younger. I said, okay, I can I can go work at you know the mall at a clothing store for minimum wage, or I can go work at the strip club, and I can you know go be a bottle server. I can work in the champagne room. I can be a bartender. I can be a massage girl. I can be all this stuff. And I made so much money. And I think about it now, and I'm like, wow. Like now that I'm going to be 43 years old, you know. You can't really connect the dots until you look backwards. But all of this stuff was like my way of being like more in my masculine, even though I was working in like a feminine job, but it wasn't. I was like hustling like a dude, like like some mafioso, like in there, like just trying to get tips and stuff from these poor bastards saying whatever you can. And I, you know, some of the girls that I worked with too, it's like, you know, they had kids at home, they had a husband. And I was like, how can your husband be okay with this? And she, and some of them like, they don't even know that I do this. And some of them were like, they love that I do this because they don't have to work as much. And I'm just like saying, and, and now looking back, I could see now that their husbands were extremely in their feminine and the women were extremely in their masculine. And like, she's like, oh, my, my husband's a stay at home dad. And I'm like, that and listen, I know that there's plenty of men out there that stay at home and watch the children and whatever. But from an evolutionary cellular standpoint, no man really probably wants to stay at home and watch the children while their wife goes to a strip club or goes into another room on OnlyFans to have weird sex with some dude in Alaska. In, unless that is the home base that they grew up in and that's familiar to them. And again, you know, the war on men right now is, you know, it's, it's weed, it's, it's porn, it's video games. It's, you know, if we're talking big archetypal circles, and I don't want to get too much into this because there's a lot of nuance to it, but this archetype of the devouring mother that we're seeing with the hyper overprotective helicopter moms, and again, a largely a product of being single moms. And so thank you to you, to you women out there who are single momming it. But again, that's a whole other conversation we can have. And oh my how God, there's so many offshoots of this. It's insane. I love it though. But it is like, yes, you can do it. It's like the nuclear family with a father and a mother is not sufficient to, to truly raise a child in the way that a village is meant to raise a child. Right. With, with multi-varied representations of what a man can be and what a woman can be. And it's not just your mom and that's the feminine. So that's the only impact you have on your whole nervous system's development is your mom's frame or your dad's frame. And if you only have one parent, then you only have that frame. And so mom and dad or or mom is mom and dad in that energy. And if she's, you know, hyper worried about you or these types of things, it's like, there's so many ways that women that, that I want to be very careful how I say this. There's a, there's a way that mothers will emasculate their their male sons largely because they're kind of supposed to. Like mothering isn't ever supposed to end. There's a biological function in that. Like my mom still. Do you want to you know, your sweater? Wear your sweater. Yeah. Like, I, I Did know. You eat today. I've been out of the house for like 20 years and I've survived somehow without, you know, you, you wearing the sweater that you need me to wear when we go from the heated house to the heated car to the heated house. Yes. Yes. And I love you, mom. I love you so much. 
but it's like, where, you know, where does this take us and where does this lead us? And, and, um, <laughs> the, 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 the frame of this and how, again, just to, to bring it back to where, where do we, where do we start to support each other again? And where do we start to, um, yeah. I agree with you. And I feel like there's also right now, and it has been for a handful of years, like this war on men. Like if you're a man, like you shouldn't even be walking this earth anymore. You are just trash. You should just move out of the way. Mm-hmm. And it, and it breaks my heart to watch it because I have so many male friends that are like, I can't even say what I want to say. I can't post what I want to post. Mm-hmm. I can't have real conversations with anyone anymore. Everything is so surface level because I'm actually petrified to say the wrong thing and then get canceled or, you know, even like, and I know this is probably like a whole other story for a different day, but even with like the me too movement, you know, like now, am I saying that none of those women had those experiences? Absolutely not. I've, I've been, I've had experiences like that in, in my life. And I've also used my sexuality to get things from men. So there's two sides of the coin. Right. And then now we're seeing like all these men who probably didn't do shit just because maybe in the, in the past, I mean, there's so many different stories that I hear, but in the past, maybe a girl wanted to be with this guy and the guy didn't want her and rejected her. So now she has her chance to hurt him and besmirch him and take him down. And it's just so sad to watch men as a whole. And I know a lot of like my girls that they're going to be like, how can you say this? They're, they're the, they're the other. And it's like, no, no, we cannot keep doing this because the more we keep doing this and you can actually speak to this better than I can, there has to be down the road a collapse of some sort that's coming. Am I right? Am I hitting the tone? Like, am I wrong? What's tell me about this? We're already, I mean, we're already starting to see it in the numbers, the dwindling numbers of marriages, the dwindling numbers of partnerships, the dwindling number of children. Um, people are, and they've, they've been encouraged uh, psychologically and they've been encouraged physiologically to avoid those things. And so again, what we're seeing is the physiological system and people starting to come online to try to overpower the psychology, the ideology that they've been, they've been taught. And suddenly the biological clock starts ticking and a woman's thrown all of her weight and all of her eggs into the basket of the pursuit of, uh, uh, let's say bank accounts and these other types of things. And now, there's a ticking clock. And as you know, it's, 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 it generally makes it harder, not easier to attain something that you really desperately need yesterday. And so there is, there is this, 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 this crescendo towards something that's happening. But again, I think I, I do feel hopeful because like you and I finding each other in the resonance, like your listeners are coming home to. Uh, and again, I want to just say, yeah, like the me too movement, it came about for a reason. There's been a lot of bullshit for a long time and that needed to happen. And things like believe all women, it's just, it it doesn't like, of course there's going to be someone that's making it up or someone that's utilizing a a, a chink in the armor of the system to get their revenge or their needs. And so it's important to recognize that. And again, important to, well, if, if we're playing for, for blood and it's, it's blood for blood and fuck you because you hurt women and fuck you because you hurt men, we're just, it's the old saying of an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. And Absolutely. are we done yet? Are we, are we blinded enough? Like how much, 
longer do we need to continue the war, the battle of the sexes? And the he said, she said stuff before we're done. And I feel so grateful, uh, Katie, because uh, 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 it, it, I can feel it. I'm starting to see it in my community. And uh, I'm starting to see it in my work that enough people are done. They're done. They're bled out. They're, 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 they're enough broken bones and broken hearts to finally be like, this isn't working. Why? Why isn't this working? And, and start to be able to get curious about it and start to be able to, again, take partial responsibility and engage in some different kinds of conversations, some different kinds of work, some different types of perspectives. Absolutely. So if you had to give advice out there and maybe just a couple of very important things, because I know we could literally talk about this for a hundred thousand years and never be done with it. Advice out there for women who are like, there are no good men out there and I don't need a man and I can have a baby. Just give me some sperm from a sperm bank and I'll be that mom. And then on the other hand, out there to the men that are like, there's no good women out there. All women, because this is what I hear. I hear this all the time. Like all women are whores. They just want your money. They're Mm -hmm. gold diggers, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's, complaints from both sides of the aisle what would be like your best advice for the people out there that that have this narrative coming out of their mouths i'd say be very careful of two things Uh, the feminine's tendency to emasculate and men's tendency to objectify and both of them are defense mechanisms they're mechanisms that we employ when we feel overwhelmed or when we feel like this isn't safe, or when we see a frame or a pattern that starts to replay itself that reminds us of a hurt or a challenge or a wound or these types of things. Um, It's easy to call her a whore or, oh, she's just a slut because she didn't, because I I went up to her at the gym and I was scared shitless because, oh my God, it's this cute girl. And she's like, whatever, bro. I'll fuck you. She's a cunt. It's like, yeah, no, you, you actually risked Going up to her, which is one of the most terrifying things that a man can do, by the way, is. actually, because we care about you that much, because you are that special, you are that important, you are that valuable. And it makes it easier for us to devalue you so that the value of not getting you doesn't hurt us as much and doesn't wound our pride or our view of ourselves so much. And same thing for women. It's easy to cut a man down to just like, because you can, in a way, like you can. Like there's this whole, this whole inverse of the equation where it's like, yeah, men are bigger and stronger physically, but y'all women are bigger and stronger emotionally. And the way that physical violence is the masculine shadow, emotional violence is the feminine shadow. We're good at it too. So good at it. (laughs) We're professionals. Pros. I can say some shit to my husband and then like an hour later, I'm like, wow. Wow, dude. Wow. But that's what I heard my mother say to my father. So even though I know it's wrong every so often, it like, it comes out like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, like, ah, you know, like, and I'm like, Whoa, mm-hmm. I thought I healed that in myself, right. but there's certain triggers that happen to me that pull that, that shadow part that's out too. Right. Right. That's right. Well, and it's born out of that and it's born out of, you know, you can't, women can't overpower men physically, which is why manipulation became the feminine shadow. You have to work with the words and work with the energies and those kinds of things. And then, in, in a lot of the tantric traditions or the, the two-bodied traditions of sacred sexuality, we all know how the masculine penetrates the feminine. 
But we, what we don't know is that the feminine penetrates the masculine too. And you penetrate us through the heart space. We penetrate you through the womb space, but you penetrate us emotionally and energetically through the heart space. And so we're all like trying to protect each other by attacking one another. And it literally is actually like a war. It's an energetic war. And it's, you know, it's nobody's fault and it's all of our fault and it's all of our responsibility and, and ability to, to change that. And so to the people out there who are trying to shift that or who would say, you know, all men or all women, it's like, there's a term for that. It, it, anytime you ism people and you can, and sexism go, does go both ways. It really does. Absolutely. Again, if you need to be right, and if your perspective of men are pigs or women are bitches or whatever it is, and that's what you've arrived on, I have compassion for you because you didn't arrive on that in a vacuum. You arrived on that because of your lived experience or at the very least an ideology that you were taught to value. But it's tough because it's hard to let go of a way of being. It's hard to say, you know what, I'm going to be the bigger person because if if you want to end a war, some side has to be the one that comes forward and says, you know what? I'm done with the killing. I surrender. Yeah. And yeah. not just because you're beaten. So it's like, well, you have no choice. You're going to surrender. I'm going to kill you all. I'm going to wipe you all out. And it seems like that um, for some people, that's the level that we're playing this game. It's like, Jesus oh. Christ. Like what? Yeah. And, but then you see it reflected in their lives and the miserableness of their life because Men and women actually need each other. We technically need each other. There's there's things physiologically and and biologically that 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 happen in the body. Just the the way that orgasm functions in the body, and yeah, you can give yourself an orgasm. Yeah, and women can be together, and men can be together. But you know, I think you know my 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 queer brothers and sisters know more about polarity than most straight people because there's always clarity on who's playing which role in the, in that relationship. But again, absolutely. If, if this is of interest to you, study it. If this is of interest to you, learn about it, learn about each other, learn. There's amazing work from, I don't know, I'm just, that's a long fucking list, but if I could suggest places to start for people on the masculine side, I would suggest David Data, Data, D-E-I-D-A, who was one of my mentors for a while. And I would suggest Alison Armstrong's work on the female side, uh, the Queen's Code, and these ways of ending the battle and turning turning the battlefield into a garden again, a sacred man and woman. So I want to get into this because you know that when we talked about this on our first call, when I first spoke to you, I think I had you laughing because I told you I am petrified of doing any kind of psychedelics uh-huh. Yeah. Any kind of um any kind of anything. Like when I was a little girl, my grandmother would literally would say to me, if you do drugs, you will die. Mm-hmm. So even though I know that's not true, I have always had like this block. And I went to Madeira, Portugal, and there was a shaman there. And my friends were holding a ceremony. And my friend Jan was like, You have to do this, Katie. You have to do this. And I was like, no, bro. Like I can get to those states in my meditation, my breath work, like fuck off, like stop talking to me about this, which I do believe that in my heart, but I have so many friends who I trust with all of my, every fiber of my being that are like, dude, this is the thing that like cracked me open and made me see the world in a different way. And you actually facilitate these experiences. So let's talk about that because so many people are interested in this. And what makes me really angry, and we also talked about this a little bit too, 
is they go to these people who have no business facilitating these types of experiences. Mm -hmm. There's no support. And I've seen a lot of people not come back or be right after they've had these experiences. And I've also had a lot of friends that use these experiences as a crutch to not actually do the real work on their own. That's right. And so I want to, I want you to talk to the listeners out there about what you do and how you do it and why, and maybe your experience with it and what led you to be this facilitator of these experiences. Mm, mm, mm. Wow. Great questions. Um, where to start with that? Yeah, no, I, I always come back to a quote from Carl Jung, which is beware of unearned wisdom. And in a way, oh, say like, that again, please stop. Say that my nipples just got so hard. <laughs> Carl Jung, you made my nipples hard, man. You've been dead for a while, but you did. The old, the old, the old guy still gets them. Yep. Um, beware of, of unearned wisdom or beware of wisdom that you did not earn. And so the thing about psychedelics that makes them so special, but also is, is part of the shadow that you just named is that they are an elevator to the, the top floor because of that, they are very powerful and they should be absolutely used with respect when stepping into use of these powerful substances, there should be a, a good blend of fear and excitement, trepidation and respect because they are very powerful. And there are, there are levels of psychedelics. Like there are, there are, like I like to call them level one, which is where you should start. Okay, like the, what's level one? A day ayahuasca journey in the fucking jungle. Um, you know, oh, level, dude. One, level one is MDMA. Level one is, is, is there's other ones I would throw in there too, but just to keep it simple, MDMA is an, uh, an inthia, sorry, an empathogenic um, teacher, a tool that helps to bring empathy and, healing and is massively supportive of PTSD treatment and the, the opening of the heart space and being able to, as a meditator, you know, this sort of step into witness space of your own life and be your own guide, healer, therapist, coach. And in, in my work, you know, because these, these, I had such powerful, profound experiences at the beginning. I'm very lucky with that. I'm very lucky that my, my experiences were so good. And I had a similar thing. My, my mom was like, we tried everything as hippies, you know, it's bullshit. Don't fuck with it. It'll fuck you up. Like, oh, okay. okay. And, 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 and there are ways to, to journey and people to journey with, I call them the, the three S's it's your set, it's your sitting and it's your sitter. So your mindset that you come into the experience with my job as a facilitator is to help you get clear on what the intention is for your journey my, my job is also to help you with the setting, the, the safety of your environment that is predictable and stable so that when you're in these altered states, you can really focus on doing the work that you're there to do. And then the sitter, having someone there, it's a, it's a powerful archetypal idea of if you're going to untether to go in and do some inner work, it's, it's very supportive to have someone who is tethered on the outside who is holding you. And your ability, just in the way that in the gym, when you have a spotter, you're actually right. able to lift more weight because you know if I can go for this last rep because I'm not going to drop it on my neck because my boy's there and he's got yep. it. But um, you know, it's 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 very important for me to say too. Just I, I support people in this work. A lot of this work is illegal. Um, I sit for people. I, I help them sit with these medicines um, in ways that that support. Uh, the fortune, uh, hopefully the, the coming legality of a lot of them, because they are so helpful for healing. 
but well, I think they're illegal because of because people want to keep it that way because they know, dude, if we actually let these people experience this, then a lot of people are going to break out of the matrix and uh, we won't have such docile sheeple to boss around and tell what to do. But medical model starts to break down when people start to heal out of the systems that are meant to keep you yeah, sick. But you see a lot of these types of things though. So I'm not crazy. You do. I've seen a lot and I'm sure you've seen a lot of people that like they did, you know, bufo one weekend at a party. And then all of a sudden they're like, I am a fucking shaman the following weekend. And they're, they're do, burning people's skin and putting friggin' cane toad yeah. poison into people and stuff. And I hear this all the time. And that freaking freaks me out because I, like a lot of my listeners are control freaks. Yeah. And the thought of just like being in a room with 20 people puking in buckets and like some shaman that's, you know, never done this in a day in his life is going to be the one that's tethering me and watching me and holding space for me. That freaks me out. So I love that you're like, this is what I do. I've done it for this, this long. And mm-hmm. I've had all these amazing experiences with people. It's really important to, to do your due diligence, to know who you're sitting with and to get referrals and to, to really get that because there, there are people that <laughs> go to an ayahuasca session and the next weekend they're, they're leading their own. And <laughs> I, I, I don't just want to talk shit about that though. It's important to talk shit about that. Um, because there, there isn't an intact shamanic or let's say spiritual tradition in our culture anymore. And, and human beings worship human beings are spiritual. And as we've knocked the slats out from underneath of organized religion, and you know the Judeo-Christian constructs in the West have have lost their potency. Let's say, and my parents' generation, you know, leaping into the East and leaping into Buddhism and Sufism and 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 all these different Hinduism, you know, Taoism, all these different yeah. traditions. Um, there's a hunger for this, and so what happens when you encounter these? And they are they are transcendent experiences. Generally, a, a, a the, the the psychedelic experience is sort of punctuated by a sense of uh, timelessness, uh, uh, out of body experience, a sense of the numinous of the divine, of a first person connection to to the sacred. And in our culture, we've instantiated the priestly class to sort of be the mediator between you and God. And now suddenly, you're having either a f- second person or first person experience of wow. God is speaking to me and I'm speaking to God or even, and this is where it gets a little interesting. I am God. Yeah. I'm all there is. Yeah. Things. And it's a really beautiful place to arrive at. And it can be really destabilizing to people who now think that they are God and now think that I am, I am the, I am the next incarnation of Christ himself and the God complexes that can emerge from these things when we don't have the checks and balances, when we don't have, and that looks like integration and again, a, a graduated rising up of the elevator from these level one things, let's say MDMA, level two psilocybin, um, even getting towards LSD, these types of things. And then the, the third tier, ayahuasca, bufo, 5-MeO, these things that are have the, a, a capacity to be totally destabilizing. When used correctly, it can destabilize the ego. It can destabilize the blockages that are keeping you from being the person that you came here to be. And being able to tap into that sense of oneness with the universe is is beautiful because it's half true. You are 
God. You are oneness. Everything is perfect just as it is. But that's only half of the puzzle because you are still in a mortal body. You are still a you, an individuated ideation of consciousness. And so in my work, we talk about this, but in my psychedelic work too, I I always throw up this sign and I don't know if you guys can kind of see it if you're watching the video, but it looks like an Arnold Schwarzenegger double bicep pose down. And that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to flex. I'm trying to show two sides of, of the equation of, can you hold the mystery of, I am all the one God. I am divine. I am beautiful. I am perfect just as I am. And I am mortal. I am, I am flawed, beautifully flawed. I am always growing. I'm always striving for more. And there is always more that we can become and, and, and take on. And can you hold those things at the same time? Whoa. Like that's, it's a big responsibility. A lot of people can't even fathom having, having now, when you started on your own journey, when did you know you're like, Oh my gosh, this helped me so much. I want to help facilitate this with people I'm working with. Yeah. Was there like a point, a moment that you're like, this is, this has to be part of like my repertoire? Yeah, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful triumvirate of experiences that actually spanned a good, a good deal of time. I had my first ever psychedelic journey. Um, gosh, I was 26. I was in Amsterdam backpacking Europe when of course my- you were, of course you were in Amsterdam. Actually, of course. Um, yeah, was was guided into a mushroom experience by a friend that I'd met. We met running with the bulls in Pamplona. So, you know, we, we wow. trust really quickly because, you know, we helped each other out of some hairy situations. And he had experience with psilocybin. So I trusted him. And he, to his credit, really set us up for a beautiful experience. I literally laid flat. I'm so grateful that I had put on sunblock because I just, it flat on my back, I didn't move for six hours and I was moving through the universe as an eight armed Hindu deity. I knew all truth, all answers to all questions. I was that. And then I came back and I was like, well, I'm done here. I'm done. Cause I am not chasing that dragon. That was, that was incredible. I am. I need to go sit with that for the rest of my life. And, and that was good. So, and then fast forward to 2012 in New York City, before ayahuasca has become the uh, the sort of uh, uh, dinner table term that it is now, and at least in certain circles, and I had one of the most horrific experiences of my life, um, stepping into an ayahuasca ceremony in someone's apartment on Eighth Avenue in Manhattan, um, horribly run with zero integration, and then sort of still halfway coming out of the experience. The experience ended at 7 a.m. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful life. Good luck to you. And then out onto New York City, 8th Avenue, morning traffic. I arrived back in my apartment in Queens at 2 p.m., not knowing how I'd sort of gotten there. And it was such a jarring experience. So I had this amazing experience the first time and then a horrible experience the second time. Um, Fast forward another year to my first experience with MDMA which um, again, I was so not about because it's a synthetic and it's not natural and fuck that. And I, I'm done. I don't need this like you. I'm a meditator. I can, I can reach these states and breath work, my flow state in the gym when I'm running that runner's high. It's like, nothing's going to touch that. I've already been the eight-armed Hindu deity. I've been in this horrible buckets, lots of buckets, lots of puking and hor- horrifying. Blah. 
done, done. And she, out of her love, convinced me to have this experience with her, which to this day is the most profound experience that I've ever had. And again, I'm not, I'm, this is, <laughs> I got to be careful because I'm, I'm not, in no way am I encouraging anyone to do drugs or illegal substances that would get them or me into trouble. You should not do these things. They are illegal. <laughs> but everybody's doing it. And every, yeah, well, there's a reason. There's a reason. Everybody I know. Everybody. I think I'm the last of the Mohicans. I really am. Like I. Know. Well, respect. You know, respect. I'm the only one. And I'm like, what am I missing out on? Maybe I can get higher in my consciousness. But what? then I also get afraid. Like, what if I lose my fucking shit? And then this ego that I've created for myself as ambitious and this sure. power boss. And what if I'm just like, oh, fuck it. Like, I'm dropping out, man. I'm just going to be a stay at home dog mom. And I'm going to flick my bean all day. Like I, that <laughs> petrifies me. <laughs> that petrifies me, Michael. <laughs> it could, um, hey, either thing could happen, right? Anything, anything could happen. And again, to the degree that you do, you do diligence and you're sitting with people that understand these three S's and apply them. And specific, let me say this, that for me, that, that horrible Aya journey gave me the blueprint that I, that I work into my work as a coach. Most of the people that I work with have no idea that I do, that I sit for people with their own experiences of these medicines um, because it's just coaching works. Meditation works. It's not about like, this is the thing. And for some people, these can be incredible tools when used properly to um, detonate through or love through blockages that otherwise would or have been really challenging. And so when applied correctly and with a proper protocol of, of integration on the back end with me, you, 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 you are not. I don't work with you if you don't agree to to three integration sessions on the back end. And the first one is the next day. It's the next day. So what do you do when you do these integration sessions? You after they had their their experience, yeah. You sit with them, you talk to them, you hold space for them. As as one of my um as one of my dear brothers says with this work, and he's an IF facilitator, um, the the medicine gives you the lesson plan. But then the real work actually begins. People think that the medicine journey is is the journey. It's yeah, it's the pop out into something and and hopefully a connection with the divine or something that's not always divine. Oftentimes it can be challenging, but it it will when used properly, it'll it'll show you where the things are that you need to work on. And with proper support, a, a challenging journey can be a, the most the most important things that ever happened to you. But the work on the back end is to actually integrate the experience into your sober life so that you can use the tool to actually do the thing. And like Alan Watts says, once you answer, once once you get the once you get the call, hang up the phone. Or I'm paraphrasing a bit. Once you once you get the <laughs> once you answer the call, yeah, you, you hang the phone up. You don't just keep going every other weekend to more experiences. It's like, well, are you doing your integration work? Because for me, we do, we do front end work as far as dialing in. What is your intention? Is it safe for you to use these medicines? Because depending on your mental states, medications that you're on, these medicines can be very dangerous, harmful even. So we need to do the due diligence to make sure that you can do this, to get talk to you about the legal ramifications, all these things, um, and then help you with the, the setup, what your intentions are, the experience happens, and then integration on the back end where... My job is to go over the experience with you because oftentimes you won't remember stuff. So I'm writing everything down. I'm recording these things and in, in, the, in a way to be able to give you the tools and then support you with the tools a day out, a week out, a month out, 
It's awesome. So that you can actually wring the sponge and get the most out of this to apply directly into your life. Because the goal is not to be altered all the time, like some of our hippie brethren. And I love you all. Mm-hmm. But, we do love y'all, but I, I think sometimes it's a cop-out and I work with a lot of clients yes. that do this all the time. And I'm like, are you doing your meditation? No. Are you going to see your therapist? No. Are you doing the, no. And then they just are right back at the same ceremony I the next weekend. Myself. Yeah. I can heal myself. It's like, yeah. And we're social animals and having someone else watching your back and seeing your shadows in ways that you just can't see. You cannot, you cannot see your own eyes. You know, as, as Alan Watts says, you cannot, you just can't, you need someone else to reflect that back to you. And this is what's so beautiful about this two bodied technology, the two bodied practices, whether in, um, as I do in my workshops, having, uh, I set people up in, in different forms of connection, eye gazing to be able to reflect back to each other. What, what do you need to know about men? What do you, what do you wish men knew about women and you get to get this information in the same way you're able to integrate and take these things in when you have someone guiding you this is why coaching works this is why it is what it is and why you know so many of the group programs and these opportunities that i facilitate allow people to to grow so quickly because we're supposed to grow quickly and we've been you know divide and conquer is the oldest military tactic in the book for a reason and when it's just you trying to build your your empire solo, it's just, A, it's not as fun, it's lonely, and it's just not designed to function that, that way. Agreed. Oh, now, I- when you do this coaching work, when yeah. you have these um, events, yeah. is it mostly men that come to your events or is it men and women? Is it a good mix? Like, tell me about that. I, I'm really, and I know that my listeners will be really interested too. Yeah. Do you do them all the time? Like, walk me through that. Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, the men's experiences are obviously for for men, but these these co-ed experiences, I try to get the numbers even. So the goal is to have an equal number of men, an equal number of women, and I have a few a few of my mentees or um, what I call my alphas, who are the best, the best of the best. You want to see some epic men? Come meet my alphas. Um, who, while I'm in the workshop leading in a way I'm in, I'm in my feminine, I'm, I'm channeling what the exercise is. I'm in there with it. And at least one or two of these men will be holding the frame on the outside, watching the entire thing, intentionally bringing masculine energy, quote unquote, into their bodies through presence, still in this breath to be able to really track the space, bring in protective energy, um, and be able to do that. So we really try to, to keep the numbers even. And then if I need one of my guys to step in, if we have you know one more woman or this type of thing, we'll try to balance it out. Sometimes you, you just can't do it. The numbers are uneven. But even in that, there's utility in two women working together, two men working together. And what is a polarity exercise like when two straight dudes get together and work with the energy? And it can be incredibly, and these this is a PG workshop, guys. This is not, there's no, there's nothing going on here because again, it doesn't end up as a big orgy in the middle of it. It doesn't. And you know, my beef with a lot of the Neo Tantra stuff is it seems like it's sex first and then training and Tantra is it generally doesn't touch sexual like sex itself because it's all learning the energetic frames, learning to wield these energies, breath, connection, these things. And then once you have those in, sex happens naturally by itself. And it happens quite magically and beautifully. 
Have you seen people in your workshops end up like together, like as boyfriend and girlfriend and stuff like, because they're there for like the right reasons. And they're like, Oh, holy shit. There are like great people from the opposite sex. Not everyone's out to get me. Yeah. It's not, it's certainly not marketed as a singles event. It's certainly not marketed as a space uh, with that intention, but that certainly does happen. And again, if you want to uh, be proven, (laughs) I'll say this differently. If you if you want to see the proof that good men do exist or good women do exist, who are at the very least committed to trying to do something different. And I'm not trying to say that I've got it all figured out and my work is the bee's knees and it's got it all there. I mean, I'm, I think there's something to it and it's worked for me and I've seen it work for other people. But when we bring men and women together and you 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 introduce actually you you, you reintroduce them to a technology that is already living within their own body. And you teach them how to co-regulate through prolonged eye contact and through the presence of the presentation of, of your posture and openness in the body um, and, and breath and actually just breathing together, just breathing together in eye contact. It's, it's like the neuroscience is out on this. It's not just hippie conjecture. It's ner- it's the, your nervous systems will co-regulate and it's good for both of you in the same way sex is really good for both of you. Uh, Alison Armstrong talks about that quite a bit, how undersexed most couples actually are, even the ones that have a lot of sex, because there's just so much regulation, co-regulation, um, just production of hormones and things that happen in the sexual space. But just the deepening of connection, the deepening of connection, the deepening of connection. And I actually read recently someone, it was a doctor that was doing these I don't know, experiments or they were taking polls or I can't remember what it was. It was a while back, but it was saying something like the generation, like generation Gen Z are having the least amount of sex of all of the generations that have come before them into infinity. There has to be something said for that there. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because porn, porn has gotten to the state that it is. And the, the, the relationship between the sexes is that what it is. So for a lot of guys, it's not worth it. You know, Me Too did great things to protect women and, and out some bullshit, but it also made men terrified to talk to you. Like, it's terrifying enough to walk up to a girl and ask for your phone number, but now I might be a perpetrator if I do that. So it's like, and porn has become so, I mean, I've read a lot about this because it, especially the young men, it's it's become such an affliction. But I was reading something that a lot of people feel like there's never been a substance that's more addictive specifically to the male brain than modern pornography. Wow. Being able to just toggle blonde, brunette, redhead, and have a fresh, a fresh input of sex, a fresh, but yes. fresh, you never will ever watch the same video. They're being produced with such regularity that you can literally just be on porn forever. So it's like the ultimate dopamine high 24 seven. And, and that girl dream. doesn't talk back to you and call you an asshole and tell you to fucking wipe your shoes and, you know, no take your underwear off the ground or whatever we do to our men. Uh, no one's learning what it takes to get a woman into bed respectfully and artistically and wow. seduction and wooing and what it means to be able to, yeah, to, to learn each other again and, and how how women can you know, play with that energy and encourage the chase and then, you know, be really clear. And I'm a no, and, and how to build, how to, that's what polarity is, how to build attraction. And it's a skill and it's an art. And the great news is it can be learned like anything. 
And the thing I love about polarity is polarity doesn't give a fuck. It doesn't give a fuck about you, what your pronouns are, who you're attracted to, what your skin color is. It doesn't care. There's fuck energy or there's not. There's fuck. There's attraction or there's not. Amen. Is, is you know, masculine, feminine, uh, alpha, omega, you know, yin, yang, we call it purple and X. It doesn't matter. There's, there, <laughs> it's working or it's not. And I'm more curious about you and what makes you happy and what would make you feel good in your body, in the world. And how do we get you that versus what are the technical terms for what that is and how it needs to show up and all these different things. And you know, we do need language to be able to speak about things. There are generalities and stereotypes that exist for a reason for most people. And there are exceptions to every single rule. And so, yeah, how do we, how do we, uh, yeah, well, this is it. Now we come back together. Yeah. Oh my God. So I know obviously you can't solve everyone's goddamn problems on the ambitious <laughs> podcast in, in an hour. And I really, 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 desire deeply for all of my listeners here to check out Michael. All his information is going to be in the show notes. Follow him on his socials. Go out to wherever he's facilitating an event like this and do the damn thing. Reach yeah. out to him. He, you're an amazing, amazing coach. But if you had to give someone here like, this is what you should be working on right now if you really, truly desire to find your perfect divinely masculine or if it's a male or whatever you're into here on the ambitious podcast to find that other person and have a healthy beautiful divine relationship what would you tell them like what would be your biggest like do this now or maybe stop doing this whatever you're doing i know it's such an open-ended question it is and it's you know the i am the opposite of the pharmaceutical model every person is every person has their own need and so there's variation in every individual. And so what I would say to you, I wouldn't say to someone else. And there are similarities, but I'd say for, for the women out there, it's the art of learning how to open and how to close, how to have shields up and how to have shields down. As um, again, I'll, I'll, I'll mention her here, London Angel Winters always used to say, for, for the feminine, your no is your pathway to your yes. And so learning how to and when to say no, be a no, close down, not be interested in receiving energy attention, but then also the skill of opening. And when you actually do want to have attention and from what and why, and what can you do to attract the type of energy and attention that you want? So I would say in addition, you know, you can spend some time figuring out what the qualities are of the type of partner that you want which is kind of easy for a lot of us to do. But then the hard part comes is like, would that perfect person that you've just designed actually be attracted to you? <laughs> okay. Thank you for saying this because Thanks. I have clients that will say to me like, I want a 10 and he has to be, he has to make seven figures and he has to have a, you know, an eight inch cock and he has to be tall, dark and handsome and his, you know, and I'm like, yeah, but you're a fucking five. Yeah. And I don't even mean like your looks. I mean, you are a five energetically, the words that come out of your mouth, the way that you carry yourself, the thoughts that you think, like how you are showing up every day, you're a five, but you want a 10. So that doesn't make fucking sense to me. And I know that this sounds very aggressive, what I'm saying, but you know, this is, you know, this isn't blow smoke your, yeah. blow smoke up your ass podcast. This is like raw shit. And that's what pisses me off about people because everyone wants a 10, but they're acting and showing up as a five. Yeah. And I think there's something that's being taught in the culture around that. And, you know, Mr. Data used to say a lot of that. We always attract our reciprocal. And so 
the evidence of your vibration are the people that you are surrounded by or the, the, the men that you're dating. And it's, it's, it can be a hard pill to swallow. And again, when you start to work on yourself, it's important to remember that things always get worse before they get better. Not necessarily because, because things have gotten worse, but because you turn the lights on. And now you see all the cockroaches and crap on the floor that you just didn't see because you weren't looking at it. And so it's, it's, it can be tough, but, but, but it's so worth it to be able to do that. And for men too, I would say it's like, God, what I say to men, it's like, <laughs> for me, the journey was emasculation, um, which is why my podcast is entitled Remasculation. Um, I would say that there's, there's, oh boy, <sighs> learning how to love yourself like how to really value yourself and come to value what you bring and that your value can be reflected either externally, like the guys that are all into the, give Andrew Tate a shout out here, the Bugatti, the Bugatti and the money and all these things. And like the external presentations of my value, look how I'm important. I'm valuable. It's not nothing. That's part of the equation. But the internal representations of value are equally as important. My ability to be sensitive, to be vulnerable, to know when not to be, to create boundaries, to be sensitive. And really, it's about bringing those two qualities together. So can you be can you be a badass MMA uh, protector fighter dude who also is incredibly emotionally intelligent, well-read, um, I don't know, and loves poetry. Like it's make yourself better, make yourself better, figure out the ways that you are, that you could be better. Ask your friends, ask your ex, ask your partner, like, where could I best improve and take a, take a poll of all of that, figure it out and then start to improve yourself while loving yourself as you are. Yeah. Oh, I love that because everyone always thinks like, when I get the Bugatti and the six pack and, you know, I get my hair transplant or whatever the fuck was going on in your life, then I can show up as this person. But it's like, no, you have to deal with what you're dealing with right now. And if you're, you know, if you're overweight and you're, you know, playing video games all day, but you want to be a better man, just love yourself in that moment, but do the things to make yourself what they call nowadays a high value man or a high value woman. And I think it's important. And I, and I don't, you know, I was listening to something that was saying like, um, something like men who work out are like super right wing conservative, like alt right type of guys. Like, I can't believe that working out now makes you a con like an alt right person, you know, but like, I want to see my man work out in the gym. I want to see him muscular. And if he has to smack someone in the back of the head because they come at me. I want my man to be able to protect me, but I also want him to bring me flowers if I had a bad day and go get me a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream if I have my period and understand that he can be all those things and not be a snag or That's right. some crazy, you know, well, yeah, super toxic masculine man, you know? It doesn't take rocket science to look at, you know, a long-haired hippie dude who's super skinny and be like, well, he's clearly prioritized the emotionality and vulnerability side of the equation. Wonderful. I bet his bench press is like 80, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. And then you see those gym rad dudes who are jacked and ready to, ready to, you know, take action if they need to, they tend to skew more conservative on average, just as the hippie dude tends to skew more liberal on average. But again, I'm interested in creating what I like to call these 
well, the third man, or it's not really, I mean, David Data talks about these three stages, but it's like the, the, the type of man that is truly dangerous in, the, in a wonderful way. Like, think about that. Think about like Jordan Peterson says that, like, I, you should be able to be a monster. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it says like the meek shall inherit the earth in the Bible. But what, if you go back to the word meek, it actually means to keep, have, to be able to use your sword when you have to, but keep it sheathed. Yeah. But keep it sheathed. But no one wants to read a goddamn book or listen to any of this shit. They just, they want to like, you know, be on there fucking. What's the ability to, yeah. Do you have, do you have the capacity to wield violence as an act of love? Because if you're a pacifist, because that's your only option, then you're not really a pacifist. You just, you're, you're, you only have the option of, of hoping to be able to beg someone not to hurt you or hoping that there's someone else stronger around who can take care of the problem. And it's also really important to be able to be developed sensitively and all those type of things. So the way I like to look at it is I like to think about like an EMT and like an EMT training. They teach you that the greatest gift that you give when you walk on a fucking car accident or someone where someone's in trouble, the first thing you present is the gift of your regulated nervous system. Yes. Hi. You don't want an EMT screaming like, fuck, that's really bad. Oh, fuck. Okay. Well, uh, just, okay. Look at me. Do not look at your leg. Do not look at your leg. It's not there, but don't look at it. We're going to find it. Don't worry. It's somewhere here. It's somewhere here. Okay. Gosh. What, what do you want to go to the hospital? Do you have insurance? What, what do you want to do? Do you want, do you want to like, I don't know. I can exactly. just hit it for a second. Like, no, no. It's like, hi. And be able to have the the understanding and wherewithal to be with their emotional experience and, and the strength to, if I need to fireman carry you out of here, I will do it in a fucking heartbeat because I trained for this shit. Yeah. And there's something about that for men, man, just in saying that it brings up an energy in me, that part of me that's alive, that wants to be of service, that needs to be of service. That yeah. And I'm like, throw me over your shoulder, motherfucker. <laughs> right. And carry your right? service because that's some hot shit. And like, that's right. And it's hot for both people. But it is also can be really hot to again be in a deep, connected, emotionally powerful conversation. So can we become this? This this brand new type of man and woman who are the amalgamation of both of both sides of the equation. We understand the brilliances and the shadows of both, just like we've started this conversation with around feminism and start to like get over ourselves, get over the war and start to create a new world and a new society because that's what we're that's what we're that's what's needed and that's what we deserve. That's truly what we deserve, Katie. I love this conversation. I could talk to you forever and ever and ever. Well, I'm just really, I got to go. I got a client. I gotta oh my go. God. Well, I was going to say, you probably have to go because you probably have shit to do other than talk, talk to me all day long, but I appreciated this. And you guys have to reach out to Michael. He's going to change your life. He is absolutely amazing. This was such a great conversation. And I hope that my girls listen to me. They reach out to you because this was absolutely superb. Thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy, busy, amazing life for yeah, being here. Yeah, and um, I'm looking forward to deepening my relationship with you because I absolutely adore you and everything that you stand for. Wow. Thank you so much. That is that is not that is special. And so thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. And thank you for having me on your show. You know, I've really been doing this work underground. I've been largely referral based and um, I like that. I like to have my life and be able to control my frame in those ways. But I'm I, this work is this work is more important in a way. And so I, I want to get it into the hands of more people. I want this technology to, to, to show up in the hands of our young people in the way I, I would have needed it to show up in mine. And it didn't. 
Yeah. So thank you for helping me spread this message. And again, for being part of this, this change, this, this, this work. Thank you for your work. It's my fun. pleasure. My pleasure. Guys, share this with everybody and your mother. Mm-hmm. And like I always say, see you next Tuesday. And don't forget to stay ambitious.